Um, Griff, what are you going to do without internet? Uh, I probably just have a pretty chill day, man. Probably just have a pretty chill day. Uh, I had a big day planned. Uh, I was gonna get gonna get on Twitter, and I was gonna get back on Twitter in a big way. And I had some big thoughts I've been saving up for the last four fucking years that I'm ready to unleash. If our internet goes out. We're basically unemployed. I mean, we are we are yeah. just immediately the labor statistics should shift when the internet goes out at your house because you're like uh, you're an unpo- unemployed person. Wait, 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 wait! You don't need Twitter. You have the podcast. I think you should give us kind of a. a David Letterman, oh, like a, baby, a top five tweets that you, you're tweet. ready to. I know put. you've been sitting on some good uh-huh. ones, Griff. Empty out the drafts. Okay, here comes a big one. A mm-hmm. big one. Number this five. This is a new segment. <laughs> this is a new segment, and it's, it's getting a little drafty in here. And it's about Griffin ooh. telling us the drafts of tweets that he. And it's just all the stuff I've missed out on. So you guys heard about these? Uh, you hey hey guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, just let me Google things that have happened in the last four years. I have no internet. So, <laughs> uh, seems like everyone's pretty upset about, um, did you, mm-hmm. so what's up with this, what's up with this dude, Elon Musk? Cause yeah. I heard that, I thought that this was the Rockets guy, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's naming his kid like numbers. And yeah, it's you like, tell I didn't him. even know that was allowed. And Wait, so was, then it, I was had, that a tweet or was this a blog post? Sorry, 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 sorry. That was the first. This is a thread. So if okay. I had a number kid, I'd definitely do a 420 or 69. Pretty funny mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now wait. Okay. Now you saying pretty funny stuff there. Was that in the tweet or was that you just say like commenting, letting us know where the that's funny how parts I, are? That's how I cap off all of my tweet threads. Uh-huh. So um <laughs> Is there an exclamation point at the end of that or just straight? Uh every time exclamation point because people need to know how excited I am about my great jokes. So um <laughs> so uh hey, I heard it's I heard about Adam Levine. Uh, sending some messages that were like pretty cringe, guys. Pretty funny stuff. Yeah. Uh huh. Now is that a t- <laughs> <laughs> is that a tweet you might do? <laughs> just letting people know. This is just a monologue. Yeah, this is just a not late night a monologue. Thought. No, it's not because I don't have any like thoughts or anything to add. I just want everyone to know about like hey, you heard about you- it. I heard about it in case you missed it. Adam Levine said some stuff. That was pretty pretty cringe if you ask me. And I also, if I may, had pretty funny stuff. <laughs> is <laughs> is there one more thing, Griffin, that you've heard about recently? One more thing that I heard about recently. Well, <laughs> this is a big one. And this one might get me in a little bit of hot water. Uh-oh. <laughs> but um have you all have you all been following this uh have you do you all know even about Gangnam style? What? Gangnam Style? From 10 years ago? <laughs> yeah, I feel you like You were I didn't tweeting really... when Gangnam Style came out, just to be yeah, clear. Yeah, but I didn't really, but I, but I had, I haven't really gotten a hand on the, I didn't get a hand on the ball then, and so for, like, basically the day after I stopped using Twitter, I was like, ooh, I got a good Gangnam Style one, but uh-huh. I was like, it's not worth coming back for it. So, uh, I just think, I guess I think it's pretty funny, it's pretty funny stuff. I don't even like pretending to tweet. <laughs> My name is Justin McElroy and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy and I'm coming at you. Alexander Graham Bell style from the from the phone lines, baby. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and today I'm gonna rock and stone as we talk about little shrunken people hopping around rock and stone. My rock and stone. name is Ross Frostick, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It is a video game club, and just by listening, my friend, you have joined. Our hallowed ranks, and uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, an electronic entertainment that is both new and old. Chris Plant, what is grounded, and how is it both new and old? 
Grounded is the, I mean, it's been in development forever by Obsidian, the developer that made Fallout New Vegas, which is what you probably know them for. Uh, and it's nothing like that, is the long story short. It is a open world survival multiplayer exploration game where you're basically Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the video game. That's, I mean, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. I mean, it. that's what it is. You're just little guys. There's more detail, believe it or not, and we're going to talk about it right after this. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details, and all of a sudden, they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So, uh, Grounded is, I mean... It, uh, for people of a certain generation, by which I mean ours, I mean it is a Honey I Shrunk the Kids video game. I mean it's it it almost made me a little sad that they didn't have the license because it would be so great to get messages from Dr. Wayne Zelensky. Like, can you name oh, another? He is, I almost <laughs> he has definitely had his license stripped at this mm. at this point in his yeah. in his career. His science, sorry, his science license. I'm just, yeah, I guess that I don't know how it works exactly, but I think whoever did award him his PhD can uh-huh. re- can rescind it when they find out. That did that happen it. after he shrunk the kids or after he blew up the kid? I think it's after, honey, I blew up the baby that, um, yeah. I mean, you can't blow up, you just can't blow up a baby. Also, you they just couldn't, can't, Wayne. You couldn't have come up with a better way to say that like you walk in the room and you say you blew up the baby and she's going to know you mean like symbolically blew up. Like, yeah. Realistically. That would be a terrible thing to yell from, especially if your husband's Dr. Wayne Zelensky, right. who like, let's be honest, blew up an apple in the last mm-hmm. film, right? Like, yeah, I would assume he blew up. The yes. Baby, like explode. Reasonable. The baby for sure. <laughs> the baby's gone. Um, um, this, so it, it is a survival game. It is a, uh, you, you know, one of those where hunger and thirst can be as big or as small of an in, of a inconvenience as you want them to. Um, but what really is the coolest thing about this, and the thing that you'll notice immediately, is the sense of scale is so cool. I mean, it is mm. every little corner of this game has been rendered in a way that like really makes you feel like. You are this size, and and in a way that's very, uh, Chris, you said it like very tactile. Like you, when we were when when especially when you were in the third person camera, like you really get a sense of like how these pieces fit together in the world. It's not just reducing. Um, a lot of these games reduce, you know, all of the things on the the earth to like glass rock yeah wood, you know, I I, I had I had two concerns going in. One that it would do the thing that lots of video games do where it's like yeah sure you're small but really this is just any other open world game where the ground is flat and we used a a dirt texture but the dirt's a little bigger to make it look like you're a little smaller big dirt um it 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 definitely i know exactly what you mean of like i don't know there's something about the the kind of the way the the environment rolls that it's very uneven that that makes it feel like oh yeah i am itty bitty but yet the other thing is i do not like most survival games because of the thing that you said justin which is like 
there are these static objects in the world, and then they're labeled rock or diamonds or whatever, and then you punch them enough, and then stuff gets added to your inventory, which is not how it feels here. It feels like you are chopping down yeah. grass and then getting huge pillars of glass to turn into walls. It's yeah, like grass. I, I didn't super click with the vamp. What was the name of the vampire one? that we played recently v, v rising v, v, v rising i didn't super yeah. click with it because it felt uh, there was like a remove to it and some of that is just the camera because you're you know kind of an isometric for the most part but some of it is just like it felt like i was just like oh i needed this very obscure part to build this thing and here it's like oh you need sap go to that tree and there's some sap like dripping out of the tree or oh you need dry grass literally cut down this giant straw uh, like thing of grass and then physically carry the pieces back to your base there's like a direct one-to-one of like the things you're doing in the game and them existing how you would expect them to exist in the real world if you were tiny even so far as like if you're assembling um you have to assemble a lot of different uh you know workstations basically there's a grinder for mushrooms and meat there's a, a jerky rack there's cooking work workbench all that stuff and you have to load different components. Each has a bunch of different components from the world. Grass, you know, uh, animal parts, berry, uh, leather made out of berry skin, whatever. And when you add those parts to the the blueprint that you put out, you can actually, like, see them in the thing. Like, each one has been specifically rendered to, like, here's where those berry leather pieces that you just got. Here's where those go in the thing. And you can like, actually see them in the uh the thing that you have it makes all the resources seem more valuable because you can like actually see how they're being used uh in the world and i feel like the thing that really sets this game apart from other i've played so many of these like survival sim style games the thing that really sets this apart and you can really feel like obsidian's lineage sort of shining through is that the kind of progression hooks, the like RPG mechanics are really fleshed out and really, really compelling, which is like not so novel because all these survival games have the same uh, through line, which is like you are a weak baby in this world that wants to kill you. And everything that you are doing is about eking out some kind of advantage or streamlining some like necessary process like oh, I'm building this net out of spider webs that catches dew every morning so I can drink that instead of having to hunt it down myself to keep my thirst meter topped off. Um, but on top of that, there's stuff like armor with different perks on it. And if you complete the whole set of armor, you get like super perks. And then there are mutations that you earn just by playing the game. Like if you get poisoned a bunch of times by bugs, you get a mutation that allows you to resist poison more or if you fall a whole bunch you get one that helps you resist fall damage uh there are there are teeth that you can find and shatter and gain their incredible tooth powers that you can then use <laughs> to like increase your health and stamina or you can slow down the speed with which your hunger and thirst meter falls down uh that on top of like well if we want to get to the bottom of the pond to find what's down there we have to build you know a breathing reed and some swimming fins and there's just there is so 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 much to do and unlock all to all to sort of progress you through the game what's what's cool is it's i don't know if you would attribute this to balance or just good design but there are so many little like Nothing ever felt like a boring resource run, like, well, I need to go collect a bunch of uh, grass, so I'm going to go out there and collect grass. It, it, they make the individual things enjoyable. Like, it looks cool. And it, I'll give you an example. I needed berry leather, and then and I there's a resource scanner where you can say, like, okay, I need berries. Where are the berries? And it'll show you on the map where berries are, so you don't have, it's not a bunch of, like, uh, guessing about where you need to head. Mm. But once you once I went out there, the berries were hanging in the bush quite a ways above me. So I had this bow and arrow that I had made out of, you know, I, I, I forget, gnat fuzz, I think it's some other stuff. And I used the bow and arrow to knock berries out of the tree. And then when they land on the ground, they squish because they had fallen so far. And then I had to hit it with my axe, which is like not the – not the wildest or most thrilling thing, but it was this very satisfying little loop of like, here's an interesting thing I haven't done before. And I'm doing that. There's a lot of like, uh, there was a, there's a lab 
that's buried within a pond. And there's like a lot of steps you have to take to like build the gear you need to swim for long distances underwater. You can make yourself a little hat that keeps a bubble in it that you can breathe out of and make yourself fins from different animal parts. And like it, that felt very different from the other things that I had done. Like it felt like a very specific uh, uh, sort of quest or mission that I was on that, that didn't make it feel like just that normal survival grind where you're just getting basic resources and taking them back. So I was surprised that the, like you guys didn't pay for a server, right? No. Yeah, so you can, so you guys had hmm. started a game basically and you invited me and I jumped in and you had a base and all that stuff and we played for a while and then uh, we all broke apart and then the other day i signed on i dm justin i was like hey do you need to be online when i join the base and he was like no you can just join whatever so i joined and you know in the few days since we had last played you guys had made a lot of progress on the base and seeing this base that you can just sort of jump in and jump out of was extremely cool and the fact that like i know in certain circumstances you have to pay for a server and and stuff like that but here it just seems like included right in it's it's why i stopped playing v rising is i didn't want to keep paying for the server but it's so clever i don't know if any other games have done this before but it's completely peer-to-peer where you can share access to to this multiplayer save and then yeah it's not actually a server it's more like you're hosting the world when you, whoever joins first is hosting it. Yeah. And then other people get in, but the data from the world is saved. So it's just like pulling it down to whoever gets uh, in. That's why fresh when you signed in, it's a little confusing because you don't sign into our, like the shared game that we have through single player. You go to multiplayer, right. see that the server is not currently active, and then you start a multiplayer game. Yeah, I was able to figure that out. And I, yeah, it was, it worked like extremely fluidly. And I, you know, I might have burned the house down a little bit. It's fine. Hey, okay, so let's talk about that. Okay, the so second let's talk floor about of the house is fucking this. gone, What Russ? happened to the second floor, Russ? Mm. I mean, did we need a second floor? Oh, so this was intentional. Probably, you made it, You made like an architectural. It was arson. I thought, oh, cool. you know, we needed a little arson. more light. <laughs> like a drop top kind of house. <laughs> <laughs> Russ, I went. Griffin is having a lot of fun now. I wish you'd been here. We actually discovered this. I actually, <laughs> this no, no joke. I have no idea. Like, I did not mess with the second floor. I have no idea what happened okay. to it. <laughs> uh huh. No, fine. Okay. Well, my basketball court that I built in the back, and like, that's, that's, I don't do cosmetic stuff in games. Like, I like that sense of like, uh, y- you know, feeling like you're, you're advancing in, in, in some way. But the, the little things that you can do to this shared world, because you do know other people will like log in and see what you've done. And there are so many weird little ancillary items. I literally like made, I saw basketball hoop pop up and I was like, well, I'm doing this. We need a bath and you can't play on it. (laughs) You can't do anything with it. It's pointless. But in our little home, when you go out one door, there is a, a, a a basketball court (laughs) that is, that just looks neat. It was just a fun way to, to yeah. spend time, even though there was no like advancement going, you know, going along with it. Yeah, it's um, incredibly cool the number of options you could change, like the t- color temperature of lamps that you put in your house. There's like an astonishing number of options, and also just the freedom of like where you can put bases. I remember you initially placed your base like in a spider hole, <laughs> which is a bad yeah, idea was, when you're it was tiny. Shitty, yeah. It was just uh, like all we- spiders. Then we built it like above the ground between two sticks, but then getting up to it was kind of annoying. So Justin just built a trampoline that you can bounce up. Of. <laughs> like it's 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 really it's really really well done. Uh, especially yeah. the the like quality of life stuff is really great. Like you can drop chests in your base to like store shit in, and you can just like you can hot drop stuff, which means like you just look at the chest and hold a button and all this stuff that's in your inventory that matches the stuff in the chest, you just immediately dump in there. And then if you have crafting stations nearby those chests, it will pull the materials that you need from the chest instead of you having to like go through and like pick shit out and and get the stuff that you need in your inventory before you can do anything. Like it, 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 it does so many things that so many other games like this like fuck up uh and it does them it does them really 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 well which i guess is what you get when you when the game is in development as long as grounded has been in development yeah boy howdy it was worth it 
Let's talk about that because I think the early access thing here is interesting. There's so many reasons to do early access for a game. And I think a big publisher like Xbox doing early access is a little strange and different than most. I mean, we talked about Deep Rock Galactic. We're going to talk about it more in this episode. But a studio that size, they benefit from early access because they need money. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I don't know about them specifically, but that's why a lot of people do early access is it gets the game out there, even if it's in a rough shape, it gets them some money and they can pay their bills and they can keep making things. And then, yeah, there's the added benefit of your hearing from the fans and the player base about what they want changed, et cetera, et cetera. What's interesting about Microsoft doing this is, one, they don't need the money. And two, the AAA system is built around a marketing cycle where you know when to build all of your hype over the course of maybe multiple years to get everybody to play it the opening weekend and like that's the model and it's interesting uh, probably with game pass that that doesn't seem necessary anymore for certain types of games you still want to do that with like a starfield but i i wonder how much um the success of sea of thieves kind of showed them the way Mm. here where it's like hey sea of thieves we tried to do it the old-fashioned way, and that was a bad idea. And, like, we've spent years getting it up to being the thing that we want it to be. Grounded feels very similar um, in terms of its approach. Yeah, and I also think, you know, I think they're also following the Nintendo model of, like, Nintendo, even though their games sell very well at launch, doesn't really care because long-term, those sales are just going to keep coming and coming and coming and coming. So it's When fine you don't even it, need sales at this point for them, right? Yeah. If it's just a Game Pass thing that keeps people on Game Pass. Yeah. Great. Um, I, I do have one critique, though, is when I signed on, when I joined y'all's game, the one that you could play as four characters, they're, mm-hmm. like, teens, essentially, and there are specific characters. They're not like player-made characters. And the one character that looked exactly like me was already taken, uh-huh. and I greatly resent that. Well, but can... he did look exactly like young Griffin. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Griffin we look, looked like we look a little too. bit similar. Do we? Are we both do we be guys with glasses? Uh, yeah, like very Minkus. much so. Also, that stuff is not locked in. You can you can like next time you are on the server, if I am not there, you can have Pete. It's not a big deal. You don't have to make uh, a big deal about it and train it. I mean, I'm just podcast. saying. I uh I really uh a couple other things that I think are work about this game that don't work about others in the genre. One is there's a very clear and I don't know how they square this with something that's supposed to be, you know, endlessly playable, but there is a goal. Like you're working towards a goal. Like you are small <laughs> and you need to get big. And there are like very clear narrative hooks that are pulling you towards uh, being able to re-enlarge yourself, which makes the um, all of the survival stuff feel a lot more consequential because you are directed. Like, there is a goal you could be working towards right now. It's not just sort of like, I don't know, do whatever. Um, the other thing that's very Wait, can you re-enlarge yourself? It, can you actually do that? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know, right? This is where the narrative Seems like the game going, would just right? end like, at the, that point. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have no idea how they, and I'm, I'm not really seeking it out because I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't really know how that works. I, uh, I, the other thing that I, I wanted to say is very cool about this. Uh, it works equally well. We should be clear. Four is the maximum on, that you can have playing in a world at a given time. There are four, you know, preteens, and each one of you can be one of those people. You'd have other people who the sh- server is shared with, but you don't. You, you can only have four playing at, at one time. What's cool is that, like, I find this game equally enjoyable in different ways if I'm by myself. Or if I'm with other people, like it is really fun to get three or four people. We had uh, like four of us trying to take on a wolf spider that was much too difficult for us. Uh, but having like four people running at it and 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 being able to like supply people with stuff that they didn't have uh, and, and, and all that stuff was like very, very fun. But it's also great. There's a great sense of like isolation when you're by yourself and it's dark and there's like a bunch of insects and, and freaking birds and stuff everywhere. Um, it works both ways. I, th- I think equally well when, when people log off, it wasn't like that. Well, I'm going to stop playing too. Cause it's no fun with, without other people. I, so I wanted to mention an accessibility feature since you mentioned the spiders. I've never seen this before in a game. Yeah. I've seen it modded into games, but never like officially supported. So some people have issues with spiders. I count myself one of them. I am not paralyzed by fear about spiders, but they make me feel icky and I don't care for them. In this game, there's a setting, there's an accessibility setting. If you have arachnophobia or they creep you out or whatever it is, 
there's a setting and it's actually on a slider, which I was not expecting. I figured it'd be an on or an off kind of thing. But the higher you put the setting, the less spidery the spiders appear. So at a base level, normal, creepy, huge spider, not good. As you creep it up, they like remove some of the legs of the spiders. Eventually they remove all the legs of the spiders and they just are like floating bodies. And then they make the bodies less specific to the point where if you max it out, they're just two floating circles with like a smiley face on the front of them, which granted is not very immersive. But if you have issues with spiders, it's totally not a problem because in the game, they are not creepy at all if you turn that setting on. In that case, it's more immersive because you're still able to play the game. I suppose. It's just not as convincing. Yes. No, no, I know. I know exactly (laughs) what you mean. Uh, Which is very cool. I have. I'm very into this game. It is uh, up when yeah, I found I out my it. internet was down today. I was bummed out because it also meant that I couldn't play grounded online with, with y'all uh, or I guess access that shared world, which is a bummer. Uh, but man, I, I can't stop. I, I can't stop thinking about like the projects that I keep taking on. Like, Oh man, our house needs a roof because we have a real B problem. Uh, and then just, sort of single-mindedly trying to focus on that until it's done uh it it man this game does that so 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 well and you you uh, are you are also very much incentivized to support the other people in the world like i i I find myself doing stuff that i don't need just because i know that like eh, this will be useful like today i built a jerky rack just because like i thought i think this would be nice make some jerky uh, when the guys come in, they're going to see a bunch of jerky hanging on there. Won't that be nice? They won't have to worry about <laughs> oh, food or anything. It's so nice. <laughs> like it, it's, it, it, but it engenders that spirit, much like the other multiplayer game. Oh. Uh, uh, it, it is very good at cultivating that like cooperative, cooperative spirit. Even the, um, there are these big teeth that Griffin mentioned, uh, where you can smash them with a rock and get upgrades. I don't why. I don't know. But, uh, those points are shared between everybody in the world. So Plant and Russ, when you guys log on, you can go into the menu and like use those molars to increase your stamina and your health and your and and that kind of stuff. Someone had a real um, problem in this backyard. Yeah, somebody's having a very bad issue. <laughs> it's very <laughs> you really bad. should get that looked at. Yeah. Um let's uh grounded's great. Grounded's great. Please play grounded. Um and when we come back, we're gonna talk about more uh from the world of multiplayer gaming. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties this episode of the besties is sponsored by aura frames all right so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy i'm sure immediately names jump to your mind those are the sorts of people that you would say oh maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. 
you have the account set up, you just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. So thrilled that you guys finally checked out uh, Deep Rock Galactic. I mean, like, finally. It's a, It's been a week, Justin. It's not like it was months and months it later. Felt like... How long has the game been out, Russ? Fair. <laughs> okay. I mean, the, to be fair, nobody thrilled. told us we should play this game. Oh, no, either. don't it's do that true. to the fans. The fans have been asking. <laughs> uh, yeah, Justin was very kind and introduced... I know uh, my first game of Deep Rock was with Justin uh, sort of walking me through with Griffin, walking me through some of the details of it. And then I used that sort of introduction to it to uh, sort of introduce Plant to it a little bit. And um, mm. that's been great. It It is definitely, I think it is a game that benefits a little bit of hand-holding, just like a buddy of someone else playing. But then once you understand the like beat-to-beat, beat, it's uh, incredibly satisfying and, and super fun. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much to do in this game. I, I did a tutorial and I was like, oh, I think I know how this works. And then I hopped in with Fresh and was like, oh, now I think I know how this works. And then every game after that, I felt like I was discovering something and somehow felt like an expert at what I was doing for that 30 minutes, only to then the next time I play realize I knew absolutely nothing, which is kind of awesome in that it feels so great as a beginner. And yet I also see people like hopping around in mech suits, which looks super fun and I'm jealous of it. But it doesn't do that thing where... So many multiplayer games have a power curve where the game's not even fun until you get to a certain yeah. point. And I, I didn't get that vibe at all. I, I feel like I was having a blast moment one. Yeah, I do want to mention the yeah, mech suit Yeah, they do a good thing. job of siloing off the individual um, the, the classes to where you can be helpful. I mean, even if you're the scout and you have a big flare gun, we should mention, in case you didn't listen last week, there, it's, about, it's a game about four dwarves going into the core of a planet to mine it for everything it's worth while they fend off uh, like attacker bugs. Yeah, they're mostly bugs. bugs Yeah. Mostly bugs. Um, The uh, like, and there it's class based. So each class has very different skill set. The scout can shoot these big flares that stick to ceilings. Even if you just go in and do that, the first time you ever play, you will probably be, I mean, you'll be helping the team. Like you're, you are pitching in by by making it a lot more visible. It's like a very important thing you can do, and you can do it right away. I mean, you can be helpful. It's the thing I love in multiplayer games where I'm not a big like I'm not great with like shooting, but I love being able to like support a team. Uh, and and this game is is great for that. Yeah, it's it's been super good. I I, I wanted to mention on the plant mentioned like the mech suits and customization stuff like that. Uh, there are like a ton of cosmetics. And I remember Justin was like showing us around the lobby at the different monitors. And it's like, oh, you can unlock all this stuff. And while he was showing us that, I was like, oh, there's probably some sort of like, you know, in-app purchase, like monetization uh, currency that you could like use to unlock some of this stuff. And it turns out there isn't at all. So there are uh, DLC packs that like include some cosmetics for like $5. You can get like a suit or whatever. But that stuff's obviously totally optional. But the 99% of the cosmetics in this game are all earned through just playing the game. There's even a battle pass that happens every six months. There's a new battle pass. You don't buy the battle pass. It's included for everyone. And it progresses like a normal battle pass. We're unlocking new cosmetics, whatever it is. But it's all free for the people that like are into the game. And it's incredibly generous with the amount of content they're providing. Um, and so I really understand why the fans are so diehard about it because it seems like this studio has just been like constantly heaping more and more stuff for, for people to enjoy on top of the already good, really good like core content. Yeah. 
I mean, in terms of the game itself, earlier I mentioned with Grounded that I don't like games where you just bash a weapon against an object and then you pick up little items and it says it's this type of stone. And that is this game to a T. You do do a lot of that. And yet, here's a great example of if it feels good and it's fun, it doesn't matter because it just feels so good. It just, everything about this game feels so polished. I mean, what a triumphant of art direction like the game is i think like four gigs five gigs very small and at no point did it feel any lesser or i guess diminished by that it felt like it felt like it could hold its own next to like triple a games yeah Um, it uses like a a low poly aesthetic um both for the characters and for the environments that i'm sure well a looks really good but also i'm sure is like a pretty light load in terms of performance and uh, file size um and it just scales really well for a lot of different variety and you know mission types environments stuff like that um it's a really smart way to build the game can you talk about the pipe level that you that you were telling me about? Yeah. I, I've done a couple of those, and those are neat. I got dropped into... I was playing just, like, random with strangers, essentially, and I got dropped into a mission where there's, like, a refinery in the center of the mission, and you have to effectively build these pipes, these, like, long tubes to connect uh, these, like... I guess it's oil or whatever you're pumping in, ver- in like, uh, various parts of the map. And eventually you connect all the pipes, which is like a fun little like side project. And you can build them anywhere you want. It's yeah. not like there's yeah, like, it's a, really a, cool. like guaranteed path. Right. So you can bend them and all sorts of stuff. And then once they're placed, you basically turn on the refinery and then the bugs start attacking it. So you have to defend the refinery. And they were incredibly smart about it because you can, once the pipes are down, you can grind on the pipes. Like they're, it's like a Tony Hawk game to like get your mobility increased. So you can like explore the pipes a lot faster and like defend different parts and repair different parts much faster, like really smart way to twist the core, like normal missions of like, Hey, collect this stuff into more of like a base defend thing without totally revamping the way the game plays. Um, Griffin, what were uh, your I think it, uh, thoughts on this? Yeah. yeah, it has not. I'll be honest; it has not grabbed me as much as I thought it was going to. Um, because I, 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 the the progression hooks just have not really hooked me quite as much. I think maybe it's. Uh, I think this game requires a bit more of an investment, like a time investment, to feel bought into it than. Uh, I was I was expecting because I've I've played quite a few rounds now and I do not feel like uh, any of my different character classes are like much better equipped to take on the challenges that the game throws at you. But uh, again, that's also like you, you get out of it what you put into it because there are so many ways that they escalate the difficulty and uh, rewards and it's kind of up to you to uh you know stick with it in order to discover all that stuff um so honestly honestly grounded has cannibalized i feel like all of the time that i was intending to spend playing yeah Galactic because (laughs) it's i feel like it does kind of the opposite where from the jump it's like you're a weak tiny baby um but every single thing that you do is going to make you feel stronger uh and Deep Rock Galactic is very much a game about like that. It's just the pacing is not quite what I want it to be. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, so I, the- I enjoy I enjoy playing it though. I enjoy playing it, especially in a, a a group with you all. But I think that's kind of the only way that I enjoy playing it. Yeah, uh, the approach is very different, obviously, from Grounded uh, because you're right. Like, effectively, the power curve is like such a small percentage of what this game is about. It's more about like the minute to minute. And right. this approach, Deep Rock Galactic's approach, is close to a game like Fortnite, where it's like when you start, effectively, you are on level playing ground with people that are much, much higher level than you. And that allows for people to like not feel like totally left behind, where like, oh, I'm getting, you know, this guy is like so much more powerful because he's spent 60 hours playing. I can play with people that have been playing for five years or however long the game's been out and feel like I can contribute and like be a part of it 
And I get yeah. those hook, the hooks that I get. And again, this is just a personal thing. I like the customization stuff that feels like a meaningful hook to me, even the visual, I should say, like the cosmetics, even if it doesn't improve my skills much. Um, yeah. So I still get that uh, draw. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really what you're looking for. Both of these games absolutely rule and they offer two very different things. Yeah. I, I had kind of a similar problem in reverse for Grounded in that, the save my my single player save character didn't transfer to your multiplayer world so when i joined that later i felt very behind and like Mm. not not like a real ownership of the shared space and i could i'm sure i can eventually get there i'm I'm not worried about that but but that was the opposite i i felt like completely intimidated where deep rock galactic I honestly haven't even looked into what changes I can make to my character because I just hop in at the end of the day for 30 minutes. I do a session. I see an entirely different approach to how they do levels, blow some stuff up, and I like call it a time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think it's just kind of what you're jonesing for at any given point. I, I also, the mission-based structure does not... Uh, fit in my current sort of life and the amount of time mm. that I have to play games these days uh, where, uh, you know, in Grounded, if I'm having a, you know, 20 minute lunch break or whatever, uh, that's that's enough time for me to at least go around, chop down some husky husky weeds and, you know, come back, bring them all back home and build some shit. Whereas in Deep Rock Galactic, like it is before I start any mission, I have to ask myself like, well, am I going to have enough time to actually knock this out because i've done missions that have taken me 10 minutes and i've had missions that have taken me much longer than that and not really knowing what i'm getting myself into when i don't have a ton of time to commit to it um is not is 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 not ideal which like at this point i recognize i'm raising umbrage with taking umbrage with like the entire structure of the game so maybe that's just not not yeah it just doesn't line up with your life right now which is like yeah Happens. But uh, don't get me wrong, like, if I did have lots and lots of time to play games, I, I think I'd be spending it all playing Deep Rock Galactic. Y'all, video games, they're pretty good. I think that's a pretty, pretty you know, solid takeaway from this episode. Do you want to do some reader mail? Let's do it. I love that, actually, Glenn. I love that. <laughs> uh, this one is from James. Uh, got any favorite games you used to play on sick days as a kid? For me, it's not like, you know what is it price is right which was like the go-to you're sick and you're gonna watch it on tv mm-hmm. i feel like you know it was what you were playing at the time i i don't know do you guys gravitate to a specific game when you're sick uh mm. i remember when animal crossing the original one came out on gamecube that was a that was a big one for me uh i i would go long stretches of time without playing that game and then you know it was just kind of comfort food when i I had one of my my various ailments. Uh, I actually remember when I was in town in Huntington staying with Juice for when we were making the Mabim Bam TV show. I was like horribly ill when I got there. I had some like terrible stomach bug and the GameCube was all plugged in, ready to go in the guest room. I booted up booted up Animal Crossing and it was right right there for, and your town for me was right just when like I needed it. Destroyed. Yeah, yeah, they I, were all I, like, "It's been fifteen years, motherfucker." <laughs> Why? I thought I thought this meant something. Um, I had to go to the doctors a lot as a kid, so that's not quite the same. But I would always bring my game gear and like a backpack full of uh, rechargeable batteries and play Sonic the Hedgehog and World Series Baseball '95, where I could mm. pitch as David Cohn. And got me through a lot of shitty times. So I have way too much fondness for a game nobody played. Um, any any other ones before I go to the next question? That uh, question was from James, by the way. Yeah. This one's from Daniel. When you create your avatar in a video game, do you make it look like yourself? I'm having trouble choosing my baldness or my residual self-image lately. Hmm. I love this Yeah, question. that's a good question. I usually don't because I think it's boring to play as yourself i mean whatever i don't judge people who do but uh I, I find it boring and i guess i consider myself boring in a video game um i play uh a wide range i would say it kind of depends on the mood sometimes i want to be an old lady 
Sometimes I want to be like a grizz. I play a lot of old characters because I feel like old characters are not represented in video games very often as like protagonists. Um, mm. Yeah, kind of kind of runs the gamut. I uh, I usually do. For me, I um I will if I have the ability to change body shape in a way that I feel like represents my body. Uh, I will often choose to make it look like myself just because that's such a rarity. Mm. To be able to like make a body that looks like mine, and and like the the novelty of exploring a world, you know, w- with a character that looks like me, like in Saints Row, uh, that that is something that I really enjoy. Uh, but if I can't do that, I will typically go to um, just some s- s- something completely different from myself, uh, just to have the experience. I will admit, and this is kind of embarrassing, but I do. <laughs> I do have a fantasy stock character oh. <laughs> that I will just because I so I don't have to think about it right. I found an aesthetic for fantasy characters that I like with like sort of like the Witcher, but a little more elven. Mm. And that's like that's I don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> that's what I decided. Or I don't think about this anymore. So like this is my dude. If I can make a dude in a fantasy game, this is the dude I will. Does make. that character have a name? And every game becomes the continuing adventures of that dude. Who's that dude? What's his th- that dude's name? What? Um I mean, I don't want. Oh, to yeah, that that's that's private. Information. Is that too personal? Very, very personal. Yeah, I mean, well, very and also, hoops, yeah. you got to write the memoir for that dude at some point. I mean, what a life. Yeah, what a life he's lived. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I one exception is that uh, whenever I play a FromSoft game, I uh-huh. for whatever reason, I almost always make Anthony Stewart head. I don't know why that's what <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> what I default to. I feel like in but, Bloodborne, uh, that's the default. Like you don't even need that, to change I guess anything. So. I guess when you boot up Bloodborne, Anthony Stewart head is just like waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I play as myself if it's an avatar like thing where you know, like the the old Xbox. Uh, dashboard where it was like hey it looks like you or if it's like a wii sports otherwise i i never play as someone who looks like me um uh this one is from glenn are digital versions of board games ever a good idea yeah i think so Mm, sure yeah yeah i mean do do you all play the vr kind no i mean i i I, we've talked about what was that game that was like a desktop Tabletop simulator? No, it was like Dim- Dimio or something like that. It was like its own game. It was like its own VR uh, sort of tabletop role playing game thing. We did. We I think we did an episode on it uh, a while ago, and that that was pretty cool. I've messed around with some of that stuff. There was a while where like me and my friends were really into Catan, uh, and I, I got Catan on the phone and would play it. I played a lot of. I think the one I probably have the most affinity for was Risk Factions when it came out on Xbox Live Arcade. Uh, played that one a lot because they put a ton of like work into making that like its own standalone thing. The concern though is that like I don't think the servers for a lot of those games are still up. That I remember reading something recently about how somebody downloaded some version of of Risk. It may have even been like an iOS version or something like that, and now just you can't play it online anymore uh and that's that's a pretty big bummer uh but it really it really depends on the game because they are not all created equal at all splendor is another really good uh ios version where they have lots of like ai challenges and and different stuff i used to play a lot of uh small world is a is a cool board game on the on the ipad that's fun with kids uh, I also downloaded um, and will sometimes play the Ticket to Ride iPad game. That's a pretty good like pass it around, uh, the you know on road trips or whatever. Um, so the the so yeah, absolutely, it makes sense to do uh, board games. I think it just you know needs to be the right game uh, and the right you know the right people. Okay, last question, and this is a tricky one. It's from Snapdragon Sind. What is the smartest way to give someone a video game these days? Everyone already has free access to most games I want to give them through Game Pass. Mm. For others, there are so many options, PlayStation, PC, Xbox, Switch. Which gen console, physical or digital, does it depend on the game? In my house, we have literally every platform option all hooked up in the living room. So the question I wonder about now, for gifts or otherwise, is which option for buying this game is most likely to give you reliable long-term access to it? Oh, that's a good question. That's tricky because I don't know 
how to buy games for people. It. I mean, I know how, but will they like it? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I yeah, I would never buy a specific. I, it would be very rare for me to buy a very specific game for someone because either A, they have it already, or B, it's like not for them. Um, right. I feel like a Steam code, a yeah, Steam like gift certificate would probably be the move, right? Well, you can also gift games on Steam very, very easily That's whenever true. you purchase them. I know that because I've almost gifted games that I meant to buy for myself like a lot of times. Not only that, Steam, I feel like the Steam library is so, it feels so permanent. It feels so like stable because I've been playing games out of the same mm-hmm. Steam library for my entire adult life. And also like if you are getting a game that is like built around multiplayer, a lot of the time you can get like a pretty good deal on a bundle of, you know, four codes or, or whatever. So so most of the time that that is what I will uh, opt opt for. Do you think it's all all that stuff is stored like under Gabe's desk and if there was a flood and everything like just sailed away, we'd lose everything? Yeah, if he spilled his his uh his, his <laughs> coffee, it would just be like there goes everyone. <laughs> it's it's probably Fago because he is actually <laughs> he's a juggalo. He's a huge juggalo. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. a lot of people know that. Uh, yeah, it was in one of the commentaries for uh, Half-Life 2, he I think. He makes you call him the hatchet Gabe, which is wild. It's really weird. It's really weird. Any other questions? Anything else we need to touch no, on? No, I mean, I think it's time for honorable mentions real quick, and then we can wrap up. Okay. Frush, I've been tell playing... us about this game that I've oh never my heard God. of. Oh, God. Do I really have to do... Here, okay, go ahead. Russ. I've been playing a game. It's called The uh-huh. Binding of Isaac. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me write this down. Okay, Binding write it down. Write it down. Isaac. Okay, uh, no, it. there's a reason I'm bringing this up. So, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Clay, I, I'd love to clown on him right now, but like the longer we clown. Oh, no, that's true. The that's true. going to draw it out. going to draw it out. Here's what I'm going to say. I've talked a lot about Binding of Isaac. I'm not going to bore you too much, but I'm going to say this. The one issue with Binding of Isaac, the big gap that people have in getting into that game is because there are literally 800 items in the game and they all have a massive impact on your character and the game does not tell you what each item is. You have to like learn through playing and they'll give you like little hints, but it's really vague. There is a Steam Workshop mod called External Item Descriptions. It has 27,000 ratings on it. And if you are playing Binding of Isaac on Steam or like a Steam Deck, which I am now doing, it basically imports all of the data that you would need to understand like what each pickup is in the game. It just shows up as a pop-up on the game itself. Dang, that might be enough. That to, sounds good. To get me, yeah. It's extremely to go- good to, to the point where, where I took the time. I had like a big save on the Switch. I had hundreds of hours on Switch. I took the time to port over my progress essentially by hand. There's no like really great way to do this. So that I could just like continue playing on Steam Deck because this item description thing takes so much of the hassle of like remembering everything out of the game such that you're just like making cool decisions about your character. It's fantastic. I'd strongly recommend it. Um, the person who made it, I want to give credit, is name their username is Waff Sauge. Like sausage, I guess, but Waff. Uh, and uh, there's like... Also, you can uh, Bulgarian, Turkish, all sorts of languages are supported. It's amazing. Wow, that might be enough to actually make me play that again. I I don't think Pine Isaac is a bad game. Just be, I was so overwhelmed. it's incredibly yes. overwhelming. Can I get that? Can I get that? Can I get that for Stardew, please? What? Can I get that exact thing for Stardew Valley? Oh, oh I guarantee so, so that. I'm sure that exists. Yeah. How can you? So so there is a way to import your progress from one platform to another because that's the that would be the thing that would hold me back. Is mm. I I have spent so much time playing on Switch. Here's what I did, and it didn't take that long. But you can. Ba- I basically used debug codes on the uh, PC version to like teleport me to the various bosses that I had already be- beaten on specific characters, and okay. just like insta killed them using debug codes it took okay i had hundreds of hours again on switch it took probably an hour all told it wasn't that bad so if you have the time um that's what i would recommend uh hoops how about you um yeah i played a neat little one on ios uh called rogue jack uh which is a uh roguelike uh ascii art dungeon crawler um where 
the fights that you get into are conducted through blackjack. So you the enemy has two cards and you get two cards and you play basically a hand of blackjack against them. And whoever wins the hand of blackjack damages the other person, um, which is very a very quick, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's a quick way of doing combat. So it doesn't lose a lot of momentum. Um, as you go through, though, you unlock other classes that have different abilities that make it easier to win. So, like, there's a monk that can always see one card, but not the mm. other and get to choose which one they pick up. Or, you know, eventually your classes have, like, you can see two cards or whatever, uh, and you can pick up gear that does more damage or or augments that in some way. Um, and it's basically just, like, trying to get to the bottom of, mm. you know, this this dungeon uh, while you are uh, playing blackjack a bunch of uh, against a bunch of monsters. Um, it's it's fairly thin, but it, it is neat. It's a neat concept, um, and it's interesting to see how they implement it uh, with with different. There's there's some monsters that like uh, always win on ties, right? So that's something you need to be aware of, or or like will always hit on a seventeen or whatever. So you can kind of push them closer to busting, whatever. Um, but push it, them closer it, to what? It, like I said, <laughs> push them close to busting. <laughs> Anyway, this game where you edge monsters—that's gross, dude. <laughs> the secret is to peek and back off because yeah, if you push gross. them too hard, they're gonna bust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does that represent it in ASCII art? Would you say busting You're makes you feel league? good? Yeah, it uh, certainly no, makes them feel good. Sounds like um, <laughs> makes them feel real good. <laughs> Uh, Frosh, you have another thing that you're going to talk about. You, I saw you just add Anything another game. Else? Anything else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Binding of Isaac 2. I have, I have one other game to talk about. It is now, it's not out yet, but there is a free demo on Steam as part of Steam Next Fest. The game is called Mars First Logistics. And basically, you are um, uh, building little physics-based cars on Mars to accomplish very simple tasks, like pick up a watering can or move a box but it uses um, kind of like a Lego style design system and where you have limited parts and you have to like accomplish these tasks. Like, you know, as I mentioned, relatively simple. I know there's been a lot of games like this Kerbal Space Program being one of the biggest ones. Um, I, this I found to be like way more approachable and like easy to grok. Like, oh, if I add this, you know, one piece to the back of the car, it'll like balance the weight a little better. Um, such that I found it like incredibly satisfying. The demo is quick. It only takes about a half hour to finish. But given that it's free, um, I think people really dig it. It has like really cool uh, cell shaded art like Sable. And um, I found it really satisfying. Y'all, so. I'm, I'm going to get you all to try Criterion Channel for one month. I oh, finally boy. found out how to do it. And here's the plan. There's an 80s, 1980s horror collection for Halloween this month. Number one reason you need to check it out is Near Dark is available to stream, which basically is impossible to stream anywhere outside of this. And it is Catherine Bigelow's 80s vampire western starring wow. Bill Paxton. Huh. And it is cool as absolute hell. Um, yeah, it's a fucking yeah. great. It's a great flick. I, I, I love that one. Here's, here's the one I'm going to sell you on. Have you ever heard of Q the Winged Serpent? No. Okay, you probably have seen the poster. If you Google it, I think you'll recognize it. It is a movie, really two movies happening at once, uh, set in 1980s New York, in which uh, Quetzalcoatl, the Aztec god serpent creature, is straight up just murdering people in New York, just scooping down and like picking off sunbathers off the top of their buildings. And then there's also a movie about a uh, a really awful driver for the mob who's in trouble with the mob. So you get this mashup of Gabagool Mafia movie with, out of nowhere, a like, dragon creature just murdering people on the streets of New York with on-location shoots. Wow. It is absolutely bonkers. It is bonkers. You, you have to see it. I... I've, I've never seen anything as, like, good slash absolute stupid as this movie, and I, I want to talk about it. With a young David Carradine. Yeah, it is, like, not great in it, but in, like, a compelling way, it's strange. 
drag him. He's he's just he feels like he he doesn't know where he is at times. But mm-hmm. then again, if you read the script, I don't think I would know where I was at all. Cool. Stuff we talked about this week. We talked about Grounded, and we talked about Deep Rock Galactic. And next week, we're going to talk about Persona 5 Royal. It's back, and now Wait, it's portable. What? what? Did you not know this? Is that really what we're doing? No. I mean, is that really what we're doing next week? I think we're doing, I think the intention was to do like a recap looking back at the Persona franchise in general, using the release of Persona yeah. 5 Royal as a news peg. It's on okay. Steam Deck and Switch. More people are going to play it than ever before. Yeah, I do it's like be that. Great. Yeah, and um, Frush is going to be gone, so we're going to have a special guest. Yes. Frush just happened to leave during the JRPG episode. Yeah, what a it's surprise. definitely not a coincidence yeah. that I am yeah. skipping this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I look, I like reading like two, the next guy. Two guests. Just two guests. Uh, I'm All not right. Here either, hey, but, uh, now. Hey, now. Now I love now listen, I put in my persona time. You know that I'm a fan. Um, that is gonna do it for us for this week. Until next time, uh, be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Steve.